Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, welcome yeah. to Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk on Orange and Black Insider. Uh, what we're going to do with this show is... Talk a little bit about X's and O's and what uh, the Bengals are showing on film. So today I'll start with uh, with the Bills film and then uh, get into a little bit of a preview of the Steelers. So uh, personal note, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of negativity here at the beginning, but stick around. We will have uh, play of the week at the end. And uh, that's definitely, uh, you know, definitely a positive and something worth sticking around for. Uh, you know, what wasn't, what wasn't good though, now starting on the offensive side of the ball is going 0 for 5 on third downs in the first half. Uh, overall, the Bengals had six drives and only one first down, uh, and a mainly in punts. And then of course, uh, with John Ross's, uh, fumble on what was a one play drive. Uh, they only had one first down and it didn't come until, uh, their, their, you know, there was a two-minute drill uh, to begin with, uh, but really led them new, nowhere. So we're going to look at uh, what was going on in those situations. So we've got a third and five here on the first drive. So setting this up, uh, you know, they, they didn't get the ball to start the game. Uh, so the, they got the ball uh, on the 37-yard line, first and 10. We got an incomplete pass on first down. Uh, on second and long, uh, second and 10, Joe Mixon ran the ball for five yards. All right. And that's uh, something that is a pet peeve of a lot of people running the ball on second and long. Uh, it set up this third and five situation. Now, running the ball on second and long, getting five yards. All right. Uh, it put you in a situation where all you needed was a five yard uh, completion here. And they almost had it. They should have had it. Uh, so they run some crossing routes here. And Dalton is just completely off. Uh, so he throws the ball behind Auden Tate. Uh, he is getting getting some pressure on this. They're showing a double A-gap blitz. They don't send those guys. Uh, you know, he's I don't know how, how well he's seeing it. He's probably feeling it, though. Uh, from around the left side, uh, his left, you know, the edge defender is is coming around. Uh, you know, giving Andre Smith all that he can handle. So a little bit of pressure here, but really just a ball that was way off the mark. And that really seemed to be the story of the first half uh, of this Bills game for Andy Dalton. He could not hit anything. Uh, this is a third and five. That was a completion. That was moving the chains. If that ball is thrown on target, uh, instead, you know, we're bringing, we're bringing Huber on and we're punting the ball. Uh, so not a good look to start things off there, you know, after the defense uh, had done pretty well. Uh, Bills put together a drive uh, following that, and, uh, you know, they are eventually forced to punt. Defense defense holds true. Uh, Bengals get the ball back. So uh, after a uh, an incomplete pass and a penalty, all right, they get pushed back. Joe Mixon on first and forever uh, has an 11-yard carry. So, uh, good look there for Mixon. You know, Mixon started off this game pretty strong. Definitely a big improvement from previous weeks uh, in the run game. Second and four, uh, Dalton throws an incomplete pass. So that sets up a third and four. Again, you know, it's third and third and pretty short. You know, should, shouldn't be that hard. Uh, once again, the Bills are going to show a double A gap, excuse me, A gap blitz here. All right. It's a little bit different the way they do it. They're stacking one of the backers, all right? But here they end up sending both those guys. So uh, the Bengals struggle to pick this up, and Dalton has pressure in his face right away, and he just gets rid of the ball. I mean, really, that's that's what happened here. 
Uh, he's trying to force it to Tate. Tate's not open. Uh, you know, based on where Tate is, it's, it's probably, you know, his hot read where he's supposed to go with the ball if he's got to get rid of it real fast. Uh, we do have an underneath route coming in just a little bit later than that from Tyler Boyd uh, that does appear to be at least a little bit more open, uh, you know, at least to where he would have been able to catch the ball. But he's probably getting tackled basically immediately, and it would have been a miracle if he had that uh, – if he converted that first down. So, you know, what it comes down to is uh, – Bengals aren't picking up the pressure. Uh, they didn't pick up the pressure. Uh, they have shown throughout the, the year so far that when they need to pass block, they can't protect their quarterback. You know, in these situations where it's obvious and where teams, uh, you know, are able to tee off on the quarterback, you know, they're, they're not able to, uh, you know, to, to stand in and hold against that. And that's going to be a problem. Uh, you know, it's going to continue to be a problem as the year goes on. So uh, next drive, you know, again, uh, you know, Bills are able to move the ball uh, a little bit there, and then they go down, they score, they get the two-point conversion, uh, and Bengals uh, getting the ball, mixing runs for three yards, second and seven, so another second and long, and mixing runs the ball on second and long again. This time, not the results uh, that you're looking for, a loss of a yard. So that brings up third and eight. All right, so this is the longest third down situation that they have had in the game. Uh, so they are uh, looking at third and eight here. L- limits your options a little bit being at that depth. And once again, it's pressure on the quarterback. And the right side of the, of the offensive line just gets collapsed. All right. I mean, really – that offensive line is basically, or excuse me, the defensive line is basically just bull rushing them and pushing them into the quarterback. We've got a stunt on the left side of the line. All right. Little line twist. And they send, uh, they send the outside rusher inside. And really the, uh, you know, center uh, Trey Hopkins has gone the other direction. And Billy Price, the left guard here, he kind of sticks with his man, and he doesn't pass it off. So I mean, it's a little bit, a little bit hard to tell here because technically, uh, you know, this this does appear to be a, a man protection uh, on that side because the you know if, if it wasn't the center should be sliding and helping. Uh, you know, Mixon kind of peeks over there. You'd like to see the back over there if this is the man side. Uh, Mixon peeks over there, but doesn't you know doesn't actually come all the way over. Um, and Price sticks with this guy, uh, and they don't exchange. So at the end of the day, we've got Price and uh, Smith really getting split by one guy. Neither one of them even really blocks him. Uh, and then we've got uh, a rusher looping around and coming in straight for the quarterback. So once again, the pressure is all over Dalton. He gets hit as he throws, and that ball is lofting, uh, lofting all around. It. You know, NFL uh, Game Pass thinks that uh, – it was intended for John Ross. I don't know where that thing was going. Um, I mean, it's it's going to the sidelines now because they're they're punting. So uh, that brings us to the end of the first quarter. Uh, second quarter starts with a one play drive that ends in a John Ross fumble. Uh, Andy Dalton was not good this week. Uh, you know, John Ross. Wasn't, wasn't helping either, you know, a drop ball and a fumble in the first half. Uh, so certainly not a, not a good look there. Um, and the two did not connect for a big touchdown uh, like they have in previous weeks. And the Bengals have really come to depend on that because they haven't been very good at, at putting together uh, complete drives. So not a good look there. Uh, as we get uh, to the next drive, all right, once again, another three and out for the Bengals. Uh, on first down, uh, they th- uh, throw a, um, a screen pass to Tyler Boyd. This was, you, you may have seen me writing about it earlier in the week, uh, not a good idea. Uh, they, they motioned Ross out of there. The defense didn't really move, and they were in a situation where they didn't have enough guys to block what the defense had there. Uh, so the defense was able to tee off on Boyd as soon as that ball was thrown, and Boyd was tackled for a loss. Uh, so second and 13. Uh, now, as much as, as people don't like uh, running the ball on 
second and long. Uh, they're coming out running the ball on second and extra long. Uh, with Gio Bernard, he gets three yards and puts them in third and ten. Uh, so this conservative approach with those with the screen uh, and with uh, the run on second and thirteen may be related to, to the field position. They don't feel they can protect the quarterback, and uh, you know they're backed up uh, on on the eleven yard line here. Uh, and what do they do on third and long? They go with another receiver screen. Uh, this was at least a better look for it. Uh, so they've got a three by one formation. Uh, and really there's, uh, the defender over the outside receiver and over one of the slots and, and a deep field safety. So they've got two guys to block the two guys that are there, they're right there, right? They've got two receivers that can block the two defenders that are there immediately. Um, and, you know, with the safety, you got to be able to make a move on that guy. So it's not a bad look to be able to run the screenplay, uh, but there's some problems with it. You know, number one, you know, Buffalo does a great job of, of pursuing it. Uh, Tremaine Evans comes in, you know, uh, they're getting great pursuit downfield. Uh, this ball goes to Alden Tate, which is not who I would throw this to in this situation. All right, this is a third and long screen. You throw a, a screen to a big guy like Tate uh, when you're in a goal line situation. And or a short yardage situation where you're thinking, okay, if he can break one tackle, we're going to get it. Or you're thinking, okay, even if he gets hit, if he falls forward, he's a big guy, we're going to get it. Uh, That's why you go to a guy like Tate. Uh, Here, you want to get it to Ross. You want to get to Erickson. You want to get to uh, Gio or or even Joe Mixon. You know, put one of those guys out there, Um, you know. Erickson might be the best option because, you know, he can read it a little bit like a return. You're trying to get somebody who can make, make one or two guys miss and, and maybe get that pickup. Uh, you know, you don't want to essentially punt on third down uh, by, by giving it up. So uh, not who I would have gone to. You know, he catches the ball, and he basically runs right into his first block, and that slows him up. He's not able to try and make a move on the safety at all. If he would have gone outside of it, maybe he could have done something. Uh, on that on that safety, made made a move, made somebody miss, uh, avoided the pursuit from the inside. Um, but you know the way it goes, nothing doing on it. So, uh, so that gets us uh, to the last drive of the first half. So the Bengals come out and they come out swinging. All right, they're passing the ball. It's uh, it, you know it's two minutes and eleven seconds left. So they're trying to score. They're trying to do something before the half. Uh, and uh, they are able to get a first down, all right? They, they throw one in completion, then uh, uh, complete a 24-yard pass to Tate uh, for a first down on second down. Uh, but then it's three more, and, and we're out. Uh, so, you know, two incompletions later, it is third and 10. Uh, is the situation that they get into, they motion receiver out, get into a three-by-one set, all right? So it, it's a trips look with three receivers to Dalton's right, uh, he's got a running back to his left and a receiver uh, also split out to his left. So, again, it's an obvious passing situation. We've already seen a couple incompletions on this drive because it's an obvious passing situation. They can't protect the quarterback when they need to uh, and when the defense knows that they need to. They show a double A guy blitz, but then bail out. Uh, but Andre Smith is getting smoked. You know, and that's really what it comes down to. Andre Smith gets absolutely smoked on this. They don't have really anybody uh, on the right side containing Dalton. Uh, so if Dalton would have been able to scramble out to the right side, maybe he could have put something together. Uh, but as it happens, uh, we, we do get a defensive tackle showing on that side. He has to scramble out to the left. Now, he doesn't have anything to the left. Um, and, and this is something that, you know, because all the receivers uh, are initially on the right, we get a couple vertical routes on that side. We get a deep dig on that side. The, the receiver who split out to the left, he's actually really tight, so he's already trying to get across the formation. Um, and the running back really wants to just check and get in front of the quarterback in the middle. So the running back uh, does a good job of adjusting and trying to get out in front of him, but really there's nothing there, and he's being pursued quickly anyway. You know, it's a good good effort by by Geo there, um, but 
you know, now he's not even in a position to be able to create because uh, the pressure has forced him not only to get outside of the pocket, but to get outside of the pocket, not the, not the direction uh, that you want him to be in. All right. So from here, we'll talk a little bit about the defense. All right. So we'll take a positive swing now. Uh, the defense has shown some improvements. Uh, and if you read my work, you're very familiar, uh, as I was going off last week, about how bad their edges are. I still don't love the way they align. Uh, the fact of the matter is, NFL teams do a lot of things I don't necessarily like. Uh, and they can make up for it. Why? Because they have speed. They have team speed, and they have team speed at linebacker. Uh, and that's something that the Bengals have lacked. Uh, but they did improve in this area. Uh, you know, they struggled last week from the linebacker position. They struggled uh, holding the edge from the defensive end. You know, we saw uh, Hubbard really step up this week. Uh, Dunlap playing much better this week. Uh, but also from the defensive backs. I mean, last week, the defensive backs, uh, you had Kirkpatrick, you had Jackson, uh, you had Sean Williams, all these guys playing the edge and, and being responsible for that edge. And it was it was not a good deal. Um, you know, th- those were not uh, those guys were not stepping up to make tackles. Uh, they weren't playing with the right leverage. You know, they were whiffing and it, it was a it was a bad deal overall. But here we're going to see much better play uh, from the defensive backs. So, look, bad edges last week, uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, against the 49ers. So Brian Dayball, the uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. He's no dummy. He watches film too. He sees all that. So that's why the Bengals saw a lot of reverses um, and, you know, jet sweeps, things like that, trying to get to that edge, especially trying to get to that backside edge, uh, just like the uh, 49ers were, were gashing them on uh, a week prior. So they get the reverse here, all right? Uh, they get the reverse, and it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tight, you know, compact formation. It's a two-by-two two formation. Um, and they flip it around to the receiver. Now, these receivers are, are trying to block on, on the corners, and they start off on Dre. They get a little hit on Dre. He comes off, uh, gets on McCray. Both those guys fight through those blocks, and they get in there, and they tackle this thing for a loss of three. So that's an excellent job there by both those guys, fighting through those blocks, being physical, really stepping up and doing their job and making that tackle for a loss. also want to point out, who, uh, you know, they're in man-to-man coverage right now. And Jackson is in man coverage with this reverse man. So he comes all the way from the far side, runs around, goes around, goes over the top of all the mess, and gets involved in the tackle as well. So great, you know, great uh, hustle and effort there by Jackson to come around and get involved in that. All right, so earlier in the game, you know, Sean Williams was, was improving on this too. And that's it's something – it's really important for Sean Williams to be able to play the run. Uh, you know, that's vital to what this defense does. They played him in, a, in the box quite a bit, uh, you know, especially two weeks ago. Uh, but he's going to have to be able to make plays on the edge. Here they get a, a motion uh, into, into a bunch look and then a jet sweep coming back at Williams. All right, so this hey, this this play gains four yards. I mean, that's that's a win for the for the offense. Uh, you know, not to be mistaken. Williams initially here he gets driven back by this tight end. Tight end's bigger than him, he's stronger than him, but he does a good job of holding that block, holding that edge, and coming off and making a tackle. So I'd like him to you know hold his ground a little better, make that tackle a little sooner. But he does a pretty good job with that overall. All right, still room for improvement, but but a good job. Uh, Hubbard, you know, is lined up and. Hubbard this week was pretty much playing linebacker. You know, he's pretty much a, like a, a Sam linebacker on the line of scrimmage and, uh, and under front a lot of the time. And here he releases with that tight end. So, uh, you know, he goes out there and he gets involved with this tackle as well. It's essentially like the reverse of a crack replace when he gets involved in that tackle. I like to see him pushing a little bit more, but we saw the defensive end screaming down the line and making some of these plays this week, particularly Hubbard, uh, but Dunlap, you know, had a really good play on something similar as well. Uh, another thing that was good to see out of the defense was uh, Jermaine Pratt. Everybody was calling for him after the 
Linebackers looked bad a week ago. Like, where is this rookie? Why can't we get this guy on the field? Why are the Browns, you know, playing their rookie linebacker that they drafted two rounds later and we can't we can't see ours? Uh, so we got that remedied this week. I'm going to take a look at a couple of clips, and this is kind of the, the Jermaine Pratt lightning round, uh, so we can get in some clips here. Uh, but Jermaine, Jermaine, wow, I can't talk today. Pratt, uh, first of all, helping on the edge. So we'll see. He is the linebacker on the left-hand side here. Great speed getting up, all right? He's on the, the offense's right lined up over uh, well, in the C-gap, really. Great speed to the edge, engages with the blocker, and then when that thing cuts inside, he gets off and tries to get involved in the tackle. He's a touch late to get involved. That guy's already going down for no gain because uh, of Sam Hubbard uh, fighting through to get in there. But this is a much better job by Pratt. Definitely a positive to see out of him as we continue along into the second quarter. So, Pratt got some time there. He got about three plays. You know, that's what they were doing. They they uh, take out uh, usually Brown, but I think they took out Preston. Uh, excuse me, they took out Vigil for him once as well. Uh, they would get those guys out, give them a, like a three play three play breather, uh, and get Pratt in. So this is a pass play. He's lined up as the. On the left side, the inside linebacker position, they get a, an out pass in that area. Uh, and really, this is, a, this is a man coverage look for everybody else. They drop off a defensive tackle, which I know everybody loves. It's not Billings this time, but uh, they drop off a defensive tackle. And essentially, they're playing man, and then they've got three linebackers uh, who are free. So Pratt sees that, and he breaks on it, and he gets out there and gets involved in the tackle. It's just great to see this kind of speed and burst from the linebacker position because that is not something uh, that the Bengals have had in recent years. Uh, and then a little bit later in the second quarter, all right, uh, you get to see him actually playing Tampa 2. Uh, so we see him dropping off and covering a tight end as he's going vertical. Uh, so definitely something you like to see. Seeing him out there in pass protection, being able to run with guys, uh, you know, that is something, again, the Bengals have sorely needed. So that brought him, uh, you know, through the, the first half, some good reps there, you know, working him in every once in a while, getting him getting him three plays, uh, seeing some good stuff. Uh, then we got to, uh, to some not-so-good not stuff. And um, – he uh, he came in, uh, you know, starting uh, starting a drive. Uh, I believe it was the Bills' second drive of the third quarter, and he's the backside linebacker. Okay, on, on this play, uh, the backside linebacker to the Bills' right as they are running uh, a uh, a counter play, really uh, to the left. You know, they got a guard pulling around. They're working up on a double team, and he just gets bulldozed. Uh, he comes in. He's high. He's not bending his knees, and he's taking on a guy who's 300-plus pounds, 300-plus pounds. So he's got to be better. He's got to lower his base and play better against that. So not a good look here. He gets bulldozed. Now, I like this, and I hate this. We didn't see him again the rest of the game. Hate it because I want to see that the young guy out there. I want to give him a chance. But I love it because that's something that real coaches do. All right? That's something that good coaches do. When they put you out there, when you get a chance and you screw it up, you have to understand that there are consequences for that. You know, you're only going to get so many opportunities. Um, you know, watching the Patriots, um, you know, they're, they're up significantly. They put Jared Stidham in. He throws a pick six. All right, they're still up by two scores. It's it's the it's near the end of the game. Uh, they're going to win that game. Guess what? Tom Brady's back on the field the next drive. All right, that's what real coaches do. All right, no matter what the situation, there are consequences uh, for these guys that screw up, especially the young guys who need to understand those things. So I like that they did that, even though I definitely uh, would have liked to see more out of Jermaine Pratt. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. 
I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com, designed for work. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a break from film. Uh, and my guest today is somebody who really needs no introduction for, for Bengals fans and, and Cincy Jungle loyal readers uh, in particular. The, uh, the former uh, head honcho over, over at uh, Cincy Jungle. And uh, personally, uh, you know, somebody who, who's been a mentor to me as, as this uh, washed-up football coach uh, tries to make himself into a writer, Rebecca Toback. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm doing great. Thanks for all the, the kind words, and uh, I'm happy to be joining the show. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming in. Give me some credibility here. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so let's get right to it. Um, what are your thoughts on the state of the Bengals right now where they're at this season? I seem to just keep returning to the word sad. You know, like before <laughs> the season started, I was very pessimistic, but I still kept trying to convince myself that like I was wrong um, and that I should have faith in them. But so far there really hasn't been much reason to have faith. Um, and, and it's just been sad news after sad news. I think today's news of um, Darius Phillips is that was like just unexpected and sad. Everything is sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was a real kick in the teeth. I mean, one of the bright spots, you know, a, a young guy who seemed to be finally getting a little bit of a, a, a chance, and and you know, here we here we go again. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not good. And when you're already upset, you know, you're already not feeling good in the preseason. Um, you'd think there'd be only one direction to go, but here we are, zero three. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, what do you th- what do you think of Zach Taylor and staff? I mean, do, are you are you seeing some positives like something that might be starting to go in the right direction? Anything to feel good about? Yeah, I think there is a lot to feel good about. The number one thing just has to be how different he is than Marvin Lewis, and I just feel like we keep returning to that because they're they're so different. So like last week, you see Zach Taylor super animated on the field, yelling at the refs, getting in their face, like throwing off his headphones and. Marvin Lewis would just absolutely never do that. Like, not something he did. He didn't get in refs' faces. He didn't get angry. Maybe internally he was angry. He had a lot to be angry about, but, like, he didn't show that. So I loved that we saw Zach Taylor getting angry. Another thing with the challenges, he has been wrong on a bunch of challenges now, but I still kind of like that aggressiveness, like showing you care enough to to challenge the decision. Um, that's something for him to improve on, but I think getting two challenges wrong in a three-week span isn't great, um, but it's good to see that he's kind of being aggressive. Um, and also, I think the, the play calling has been a lot more aggressive than we've been used to. You know, if they um, have the ball in the in the second quarter before halftime they're not just like kneeing it and going to the locker room they're actually trying to score and have done that um both successfully and unsuccessfully but at least they're trying whereas like marvin lewis you just knew they were gonna knee it and go inside so i think there's a lot to like um a lot of good stuff for the long term but my my faith in the Bengals for the rest of the season is pretty low Yes, it's almost like Marvin Lewis didn't realize that he had a receiver that re- runs a four-two, and and you know somebody told Zach Taylor that, and now they now they try and score at the end of the half. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's such a concept. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and and you know, I, I think that you're you're a young coach. You got to be a young coach, you know. And I think being really passionate the way the way he is, and, and getting excited about stuff on the sidelines, um, you've got to have that. Because I think it can make up for a little bit of your your inexperience, um, and hopefully that's what the uh, the challenge issue is is inexperience. Because I mean, let's face it, offensive coordinators, you know, quarterbacks, coaches, like they're not thinking about stuff like that. Um, he's relying on their assistant quarterbacks coach to help him out with that a little bit, is my understanding. Um, you know, so that guy might need a little bit of coaching. You know, they might need to clean up the the status of that. Um, but let's not forget, Marvin Lewis was more conservative with with those, but he was 
probably wrong at least as much. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember him getting a getting a call right. So yeah, um, we celebrated the one call he got right last year. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think I remember that. Um, so now you live in New York City, right? I do. Yes. So I'm always curious because uh, so I live in I live in Rhode Island, and uh, you know there's a there's a lot of us out there that are Bengals fans. Uh, in in various parts of, of the country and, and you know UK even uh, I know I've got some followers from Canada uh, so where do you watch Bengals games and when do you watch Bengals games because you know we both know they're they're not on prime time very often no they are not I I get Sunday ticket though so I watch at home um, with no distractions in my apartment um, I for a long time actually when the Bengals were good. Um, I would go out to a, a Bengals bar in New York City called Phoebes, which is an awesome spot to watch the games. Um, but once they started not being as good, it wasn't really fun anymore um, and really just turned into something that like was more harm than good. It, it just like the crowd was so negative. People were just like, you know, so sad. So when they were, when they are good, it's really fun to watch with a group, but um, more the last like three or four years I have been watching at home. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's, it's no fun uh, being out and watching a loss. That's uh that's rough. I, it's, it's always curious because I always hear these stories about New York about, you know, I think I remember you talking about, you know, walking past the Steelers bar and, and like, like it's very interesting. Like, how, how those things just kind of pop up uh, and, you know, like, I mean, where, where do you meet, where do, where do you even think that you would meet a Bengals fan in, in New York city? But, you know, apparently you can, you can go out to the bar and find them. So. <laughs> yeah. The bar is also like packed. It was like, that was another part of not going anymore. It was like, you had to get there at least an hour before the game started. And it's kind of far away from where I live. So we were like game planning our mornings around getting all the way downtown to this bar whereas like the Steelers bar is two blocks away from me which sucks um but that's probably you know you probably get a deal in your place because it was so close to a Steelers bar though <laughs> right yeah dollars <laughs> off the rent um, so that so you know you mentioned the Steelers uh so they're sitting there at 0132 uh Roethlisberger is done for the year and um obviously there's no more Antonio Brown there's no more Le'Veon Bell, what do you think of the Steelers team as we uh, we prepare for Monday Night Football? Well, this is a Bengals-Steelers matchup like we've never really had in my lifetime, at least. Um, I mean, like, one of the Steelers started a season 0-3, and then the Bengals also going in 0-3. So this is very different territory for us. Um, and usually I... I never have faith in the Bengals to beat the Steelers. I think there's been some like very rare occasions over the years, but this is different. So it's kind of interesting to see like the public still is mostly all on the Steelers side, but there is a real opportunity here for the Bengals to kind of prove even if this season is awful and even if they end up winning less than five games, if you can beat the Steelers and then also win in prime time, that's just such a, a change in what we've seen for the last two decades. Um, yeah. So I, they have a real opportunity here. And even Zach Taylor said this week, he's like, I know how important this is to these guys. They really want to beat the Steelers. So mm -hmm. knowing that going in, I just think there's a really huge opportunity here. It's like erase the whole rest of the season. Nothing else matters if you can still win this game, that shows a lot for the long term. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity for the team. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely huge for uh, for Zach Taylor, you know, and, and uh, really setting the tone that, hey, this really is a new day, you know, as we like to say. Um, and, and I also think it's it's big for Dalton because, uh, you know, we, we talk about Dalton in primetime. We talk about Marvin Lewis in primetime. We talk about Dalton in the playoffs. We talk about Martin, Marvin Lewis in the playoffs. It's the same thing. Um, and, you know, for, for years, we've, we've blamed the two of them. Uh, it always drove me crazy how nobody ever had a problem uh, with the fact that Hugh Jackson and Jay Gruden uh, couldn't get it done in the, in the postseason either. <laughs> like, give them head coaching jobs. Uh, but, but, you know, Shun Dalton and, uh, 
and Taylor over that. So uh, definitely be like, I feel like for Dalton's confidence, you know, if he can go out and have a game, um, you know, that's a, that's a big boost for him to have that monkey off of his back. Yeah, it would be. And I mean, he's had some great games against the Steelers because they're often playing from behind and he needs to throw for a lot of yards. Um, but also this season, I mean, it has not been great. He's, he's again, been throwing for a lot of yards, but there have been a lot of really disappointing moments, including the final drive last week against the Bills in which he threw an interception and Mm -hmm. the Bengals had an opportunity there to win the game and he blew it for the team. Um, So I think that this game and the whole rest of the year is really kind of a make or break situation for the rest of his career um, and really for the Bengals because are they going to stick by him or are they going to move in another direction? And I'd love to see him just, you know, gain some confidence for himself, gain some confidence for the team, do something that fans can get excited about. Um, but I don't think that fans have too much to be excited about when they yeah. look at what he's done so far this year. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I think ev- everybody needs to be rooting for, for Dalton to succeed. Even yeah. if, you know, you're on Team Tua or, or you want Herbert, you know, whatever it is. You never want your team drafting a quarterback because they need a quarterback. Uh, because that, you know, like the, your motivation is you have to find a quarterback. I, and I really think that's a big part of the reason we have so many um, either busts or just guys going in the first round where years later you're like, I mean, Alex, Alex Smith was the first overall pick. And just think about the way we talk about Alex Smith. He was a good, solid quarterback for a lot of years, but that dude was the first pick. Um, so, you know, we want Dalton to be good enough to where if they don't think that guy's here this year, they can be like, yeah, we, you know, we'll be all right with Dalton for a year. We'll, we'll come back again next year. You know, you want him to be open to it, but you don't want him to be like, all right, well, if somebody trades in front of us, because we've seen this with the Bengals before, where, you know, they don't get uh, the player they're targeting, and then they take the next guy on their list, and you're like, who is the next guy on their list? So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's in everybody's interest. Even if even if you really want to move on for Dalton to, to see him succeed. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, he's still young for a quarterback. You look around the league, there's a lot of guys older than him. So even if it's not him, you know, moving on with the Bengals in the next few years, I'd love to see him do well somewhere um, and to stick around somewhere. So I'm rooting for him despite you know, my, my, my thoughts that he cannot be the one getting it done for this team anymore. But I, I still hope that he can. So that brings us to us, and you, you kind of already set up what your opinion is on this, but um, we, we, I mean, we had people talking about it before the season started, but it, it, the, the idea of tanking is picking up. Uh, and people were talking all offseason about trading AJ. Um, I, I have seen things in my mentions this week about trading Geno Atkins. Um, <laughs> What what is your view on on tanking before I before I go off on it? <laughs> I am not for tanking, especially to be tank, discussing tanking in week four when the Bengals are like two games out of first place mm-hmm. in the division. I mean, we're not winning the division. We're not going to the playoffs. Like I, I, those are my opinions. But at the same time, just to be talking about tanking in September is kind of like repulsive to me. And Absolutely. my mentions are the same, filled with talk about trading Gino, trading AJ, uh, winning even against one game against the Steelers is bad for us. And it's just like, no, if if we beat the Steelers, that is great news. The yes. Steelers are also terrible. Like, you know, like the world is not going to end because we beat the Steelers this week. So, and and the Bengals will be in pretty much the same exact spot whether or not they beat the Steelers this week. So, I'm not for tanking. I'm not for trading our best players. Even if like we were going to win one or two games this year, I'd still want Gino to be on the team and for AJ to be on the team. Like these are guys that we've you know grown to love and support and love cheering mm. for and every Geno Atkins sack I'm still excited for it's not like you know it, I don't want to get rid of that so mm-hmm. I don't get the idea of wanting to tank in September I don't get where do people find think we're going to find another Geno Atkins when we want one like this team would have no interior pass rush and would be even though they're not they haven't been good at stopping the run exponentially worse at stopping the run I mean, there are so many times he has saved them when everything else in the run when the run fits was awful just by dominating somebody. 
Um, I mean, that's the right way to tank, I guess, is to get rid of Geno. But like, you're gonna you're gonna want that guy, and then you're not gonna have him. You're gonna have your quarterback. Great. Hope he can score 50 points a game because you're gonna you're gonna have some problems without Geno on defense. Yeah, I completely agree. Not to mention, like, we're still gonna watch all the games this year, right? Well, I mean, the two of us are gonna watch all the games this year. So, like, do you want to watch something that's at least somewhat watchable? Like, the Dolphins aren't really watchable right now. I still want the Bengals to be watchable. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the way the Dolphins are doing it, like, you train away young players, like young good players. Why wouldn't you want those around the, your team? You know, like you can make an argument for for Gino and AJ based on age, but I mean, the idea in the NFL now, you draft a quarterback, he starts year one, and you're competitive year one or year two if you if you pick the right guy. So it, it's not like. You're drafting a quarterback and you got to wait four years so you have time to build up the rest. So, uh, yeah, what's with the fire sale to, to get this? Um, it, it, you know, that, that's part of it. And also, the way the Dolphins are doing it, like, they're, they're creating a terrible culture. They're creating a losing culture. And you can't fix a losing culture without a major change. The Bengals already made that major change at head coach. And to me, I would I would never call for a coach to get fired, um, you know, having been in those shoes myself uh, and, 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 you know, seen some very good people and, you know, good families get moved for things like that. But look, there's no way that Brian Flores is, is the coach of the Dolphins in a year. I mean, it, it's, it's just not going to work because – and it's not his fault. He just came into a situation, they're selling everything, and they're going to need a new voice to turn that team into winners. Um, so, you know, to me, if you, if you do it as the Bengals, you're, you're selling, not only selling in the season, you're selling on Zach Taylor. Uh, so what was the point? Yeah, that, that is all completely fair. I mean, and I think the Bengals really have turned around their culture, it seems. Like, even the way the locker room looks and the way that guys can now put – whatever they want as far as, you know, John Ross the third on his um, on his jersey. So it's like even like these tiny things really do make a difference. And you know that because previously guys who left the Bengals complained about those things. They complained about the locker room. They complained about not being able to put their correct name on their jerseys. So mm-hmm. like it's these like tiny things matter and they create the culture that these players want to be in. And clearly in Miami, everyone wants out. There's all these memes about how the guys are calling their agents right after the games to get out. And that's not what we want in Cincinnati. I think that yeah. everyone could hopefully agree on that. And, you know, Minka says he doesn't like how they're playing him. Well, they were barely playing, which was definitely a problem, but Minka played at Bama. Minka's Minka is used to a winning culture. He's, yeah. he's used to winning, so of course he didn't like it there. Of course he wanted out. You know the the Steelers could use him the exact same way that they're using that they used him in Miami, and I guarantee he'd be much happier because they're at least trying to win. Um, yeah. So uh, that gets us into uh, the um, excuse me. Uh, you know, from tanking, you know, we we move towards uh, this game. Uh, you know, we've we've had the primetime woes, as, as we've kind of already already discussed, um, and how important this is. And you know, obviously, it's the Steelers, uh, so so that's important. Um, and you know, the loser of this game, you know, could be in that position for that number one pick. Although there there are a lot of really bad football teams, so uh, if if teams are really trying to tank, it's going to lead to some bad and just like disgusting football games. Um, like embarrassing to watch games later in the year. But uh, so what do you think is going to happen this week? What is your prediction for the Bengals uh, versus the Steelers on Monday night? Oh man, it's so hard predicting anything against the Steelers because my, my I mean, you used to put me on the spot for Instagram all the time. So I, I definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> um, I am going to say the Bengals are going to win. I think they need it. Like if they don't win a whole if they don't win a game the whole rest of the year, like I think this is the game they need to win. Just like do it on prime time, do it against the Steelers. Those are like the two really most important things and they haven't been able to do either of them. So um, I'm going to go Bengals win 24 to 21. 
Ooh, I like it. I like it. So, um, where are we? Are we? Are we thinking comeback? Or are we? Are we? You know, in control. I think slow and steady in control. Okay, and that, I mean that would be something to put together a complete game because that's definitely like that was that was the problem last week. They just came out slow. Um, so yeah, and then meanwhile, the Steelers' defense last week was pretty incredible against a 49ers team that made the Bengals look like hot trash. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely something to be concerned about. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, the, the Steelers came pretty close to beating the 49ers, I would say. Um, and the Bengals really did not. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Yeah, it's definitely a concern, but you know, the Bengals have been close on a lot of things. Um, and, and you know, they've been kind of unpredictable. You know, they've, they've been weird week to week waiting to put together, uh, you know, a, a game and, and the way they are, you know, coming into this one, the importance they're going to put on it. I think the Steelers, um, I don't care for their leadership, even without Roethlisberger, although I think it improved by losing Roethlisberger at this point. Um, but I I think this the Steelers probably are still going to be arrogant, even though they're 0-3 and aren't, you know, are, they're going to think, okay, well, this is the game we're going to win. So, um I'm I'm with you, and I I think they can get they could get overlooked a little bit, um, and I could definitely see some uh, putting some stuff together offensively, and you know I I think it's definitely a a, a close kind of comeback sort of win as well. Um, I'm I'm gonna say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of I don't want to cut too close to you, but I'm saying 20, 24, 23. You know the Bengals. Uh, Bengals coming back and, and and winning towards the end, uh, you know maybe dropping two scores at some point, but I but I could definitely see them, uh, you know coming back and, and winning this thing and because uh, yeah they've they've been unpredictable. Um, it, it's not it's not the same old Bengals because they're kind of all over the place week to week, um, but they've been, they've you know we've seen them improve things week to week, which is which has been a a, a big uh, addition for them. So just improving that and playing a complete game. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think this is it. I, I think we're going to get a win here. It would be exciting. I mean, I've had so many people this week already tell me they'll be mad if we win, but like I I will not be mad. You have to take your mini victories, and there's really not going to be a lot of opportunities to celebrate this year. So mm-hmm. take the win and celebrate it. I mean, we play the Steelers twice, and we have the Cardinals, and we play the Dolphins towards the end of the year. Like they're gonna win a game. They're gonna accidentally win a game, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean, like right, uh, with, with a lineup like that. I mean, that's that's where the last place record gets you is a, is a last place schedule. But um, you know, like I said, if if everybody actually tries to tank, it's just gonna like be stupid. With you know what, what we're gonna see at the end of the year is gonna be embarrassing. So, all right. All right. Well, uh, I know you have to run, so I appreciate uh, appreciate you joining me. Uh, and you know, you are, you are always welcome here. So, um, great, great. You want to, you want to plug anything, give them your Twitter, Twitter handle or anything for anybody that, uh, only followed Cincinnati, Cincinnati jungle for the last few months. Yeah, sure. You could follow me on Twitter at Rebecca underscore Toback. And I, I try to tweet funny things sometimes and sometimes it's actually funny, but often it's not. So I didn't do a great job at plugging myself, but you should still follow me. That let me. You could have read that from uh, from my description on Twitter. I think that's you know, <laughs> pretty much pretty much what it's about. Um, you know, like I, I'm all about uh, taking inside jokes and you know spreading it to the general population, like they should understand what's going on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to be. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you again. We're gonna get back to some film, uh, but thank you for joining me, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully we're having some good news this time Monday night. Indeed. Go Bengals. We are going to transition and start talking about next week. So the Bengals are playing the winless Pittsburgh Steelers, the winless and the Roethlisberger-less Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so definitely a, you know, a different kind of game. You know, not not uh, what we're used to seeing. You know, It's been Roethlisberger up there for years. Uh, so a huge change there with Mason Rudolph. Now, Mason Rudolph is a guy I liked quite a bit coming out. And my understanding is the Bengals liked him too. Uh, I think he could have been a first round draft pick 
in a different NFL draft, uh, not one that was stacked with quarterbacks uh, like it was the year he came out. Um, you know, not saying, you know, he, he's a top pick, but I think, I, I think he's a guy somebody takes a chance on uh, in the first round. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't his year. That wasn't his uh, his break with that. He's got a big arm. Uh, he's thrown some deep balls. Uh, uh, the rookie, uh, Deontay Johnson, looks real good. Uh, you know, he's hooked up with Juju as well. Uh, but he's also thrown some picks. You know, uh, he's, he's a young guy making young guy mistakes. Uh, he's thrown picks trying to force the ball into Juju. He's not. He's not Josh Allen. He's not a guy who's going to scramble and make some plays or make bad decisions when you pressure him. Uh, here's an example uh, of him not really knowing how to react when he saw something he wasn't comfortable with. So you see on this play, the 49ers have, you know, what essentially looks like an underfront with, with a five down lineman, and they drop off this guy uh, who's lined up like the three technique. He's, he's, he's in a two point all, all along, but uh that really throws off Rudolph. You know, he's looking over there. He's confused. That guy's covering Juju, right? Juju's his binky. That's where he wants to go with the ball. Um, you know, so Juju's covered. And now the next receiver is going to look at the tight end here. That's double covered. Uh, and Mason has nowhere to go with it. You know, he tries to scramble. He's able to pick up a yard. Um, this is the sort of thing. Like, you got to get him out of his comfort zone. Uh, so with a rookie quarterback like this, I think he's going to get better as the season goes along. I don't know if he's their future. Um, certainly doesn't look like it at the time, but, uh, I don't know if he's their future, but he will get better. Uh, and the Bengals job on defense this week, the biggest job on defense this week is to make sure this isn't the week that he gets better. Uh, so they need to confuse him. Uh, they need to pressure him, uh, and, you know, give him looks that he has not seen, uh, coming out of the big 12. But yeah, I mean, he's getting more reps, you know, he's, He's going to get more comfortable. He's going to get better, and he's a pretty talented guy. So uh, now defensively, obviously the big talk is about Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, I think Minka uh, and uh, Edmonds make a pretty good little combination uh, for them. Edmonds, uh, I, I honestly didn't watch their defense in the first two weeks because I kind of thought it was pointless uh, to watch them without Minka. Uh, so uh, you know, I thought that would give me an a, the wrong idea of what their defense really is. So I only watched their defense last week uh, with Minka. And, um, you know, th- those guys are, those guys are pretty right. Uh, I don't like the way they align. Uh, they align pretty wide. They open up things in the middle uh, when, when they're in cover two. Um, but I think the problems are, are you know, mostly with the corners uh, in their, in their passing game. Now, Watt is a big time problem though. Uh, and, Here's a here's a boot. You know they're running the ball away from Watt. He is screaming down the line for that boot. He sees that guy didn't have the ball. What does he do? He does something you're not supposed to be able to do. He plants his foot in the ground. He's not he's not the quarterback player. He's supposed to be running that ball down, but he sees he didn't have it. He plants his foot in the ground. He runs right at that quarterback and pulls a Dikembe Mutombo right in his face and slaps that thing back at him. I mean, this dude's a freak. Um, so he is going to be a problem in pass protection, uh, and in the run game, you know, in pass protection, we can slow him down a little bit, um, putting multiple guys on him, uh, using, uh, you know, using some fly motion, trying to kind of influence him out that direction. Uh, here's an example of, uh, how the 49ers used him, uh, you know, uh, played against him though, um, in the run game, actually. So, uh, they, uh, the 49ers game plan, a, a lot of what they, they were trying to do was based on the fact that the Steelers are extremely aggressive against tailback swings. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that, that appears to be a, a real big uh, concern of their defense is tailback swings. Uh, but the 49ers uh, come out, and they came out in a, a shotgun with a two-by-two two set with two receivers on the left side and a tight end and a tight receiver, tightly aligned receiver to the right-hand side. Uh, so they motion one of the receivers from the left side into the backfield. You see them doing this a lot. Uh, and, and just a note, when I talk about, I, I say the receiver, I say the running back, I'm talking about where the guy's aligned. So if you see someone on film and you're like, well, no, that's that guy's a receiver. 
Okay, I'm just talking. I only care about where they end up lining up because uh, that you know that's what matters at the end for the defense. The personnel is something you got to think about you know really beforehand with that. Um, so they motion a receiver into the backfield, and he continues in motion and ends up going in a jet swing action. So that jet swing takes a defender out of the box. All right, it extends that guy out of the box. Now they got to deal with Watt. How do they deal with Watt? They let him rush the passer, even though it's not a pass play. So they let him go upfield. You know, Kittle hangs on, and if this is really a pass play, Garoppolo's going down. But, you know, Kittle, Kittle is basically just keeping him from playing the run. Like, this is – he's not really pass blocking. Uh, you know, it's not like he's kick-stepping like a, like a tackle word or something. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is really just an influence play where they're letting Watt head upfield to take himself out. That leaves two defenders on that side of the formation. All right, they've got one down defensive lineman uh, who is in a four technique uh, on the tackle, and they've got uh, the linebacker who's lined up uh, in the in the uh, a gap. Uh, I'm you know, basically like a like a twenty technique over the guard. So how are they going to block him? They're going to double team that defensive tackle with the with their two offensive linemen on that side. All right, the right tackle and the right guard, and they're going to take their left guard and pull them around. And that opens up a big-time hole. All right, big-time hole, and, uh, you know, they end up getting six yards on that play. So great use of scheme. Uh, you know, we, we saw it firsthand, uh, what Shanahan can do with scheme uh, and how smart that guy is. Uh, so, you know, there's no shame in ripping off some of the stuff that he was doing uh, to this team. So continuing on, as I said, the the uh, Steelers were, you know, hell bent on stopping that uh, that tailback swing p- play. Uh, that, as I said, isn't always a tailback swing. It's often a, uh, a wide receiver swing, but he's lined up at the tailback, so that's what we'll call it. Um, so they took advantage of that in the pass passing game as well, uh, and used that to scheme players open. Uh, So actually, earlier uh, in that quarter, the uh, 49ers came out uh, in a trips formation with the tight end on the backside, and they had trips lined up to their left. They motion the receiver into the backfield. So now they've got uh, two backs in the backfield, all right? And it's, uh, you know, it's basically split twins, okay? Now... On the snap, that that receiver who just went to the backfield runs a swing. And the innermost receiver, the, the remaining slot receiver, who's really a fullback, Kyle Yerzchek or something like that. I don't know. We played the Niners last week. I don't have to remember his name anymore uh, or how to say it. But uh, what he does is he runs at that defender and he chops his feet. All right? He chops his feet looking like he's going to block. Now, you got a fullback in front of you acting like he's going to block you. You're going to think he's going to block you. And that's how the defender reacts. And he kind of runs around him like he's like he's biting up on that screen. So yours check is wide open. That's a 22-yard completion for them. So they, they took advantage of how aggressive the Steelers were and moved the chains. And that's something the Bengals should be considering as well. They should be doing that. They should be using John Ross's speed or the fear of John Ross's speed against the Steelers team. Now, unfortunately... You know, Ross hasn't really been used as that that jet sweep guy uh, this year. Uh, they need to use that because that's going to be more threatening to see than Tyler Boyer or Alex Erickson running it uh, because everybody knows what his 40 is. And nobody wants to be, you know, making Sports Center for the wrong reason for getting torched by him. So that will make, uh, you know, that will influence them. People will bite when you use John Ross as bait. They will bite. All right. So another example is a pro twins. All right. And that's what I would call it. Uh, Everybody's a little bit different, but by my vernacular. So uh, the 49ers came out with two receivers split out to the left-hand side uh, and a tight end and a receiver split out to the right. All right. And uh, this is a, you know, this is going in. This is a, a, a red zone play. Uh, on the uh, the ten yard line going in, 
they motion in one of those receivers again, right? So they motion in that receiver. He goes up into the backfield, and now it's split pro, right? Split formation, uh, split backfield, excuse me. Uh, one back on either side of the quarterback, one receiver split out to the left, and a tight end and a receiver to the right, all right? Again, I don't care about personnel. That receiver to the right is actually a fullback. But that stuff happens all the time in the NFL. So now it's a double swing, all right? So that receiver that came in, he's swinging out to the right, all right? He's trying to influence uh, the linebacker, Devin Bush, to get a little bit wider, all right? The on the uh, left-hand side, that tailback, he is also swinging out there. All right? So that tailback is going to swing out, and that really gets them to bite. All right? So the near linebacker, the linebacker on that side, and make a fixed pack to the safety over there, those guys both bite hard on that action. All right? Garoppolo, the last time Garoppolo didn't even pump fake. I don't even know if you looked at the swing and they and they bit on it. Here, he, he you know, does a hard pump fake and spins around to the other side, all right? So they're really trying to sell it, and the Steelers are really biting on it, all right? Now, to their right, Devin Bush starts to widen out, right? George Kill, the tight end, he, he, he delays. He doesn't go out right away. He looks like he's blocking, all right? Bush gets a little bit wider, you know, maybe looking to think, thinking about helping out with that swing, all right? Maybe it's just what he does. I don't know. And the, the other safety, you know, getting real wide, too. These safeties are always wide when they have two deep. Now they're getting them even wider, all right? They just got the two linebackers in the middle of the formation to get out wide. Now they delay release Kittle, boom, and pop that ball in there to him. That's an easy completion. You know, not a big, not a big gainer for them uh, because Bush does a good job, tracks it down. But – there's no way Bush was going to make a play on that ball if Garoppolo was even halfway accurate with it, uh, you know, just based on, on where he is, based on, on leverage. Uh, so, again, really good scheme, really smart way to scheme a player open uh, and pick up some yardage. They end up getting that thing called back. I think there was a holding on the play. Uh, but still, very good scheme, all right? I don't, I don't care when a fullback lines up at receiver for the purposes of breaking down film. All right. Obviously it's important in game planning. Uh, and I don't really care about penalties either because a good play is a good play, whether they, whether they call a holding penalty on it or not. All right. So now, uh, the moment, uh, we've been waiting for the, the play of the week. All right. And not necessarily going to do one of these every time, uh, there is a loss. Um, I'm, you know, kind of childish like that, that I, that I don't, I don't like seeing, uh, you know, seeing that sort of thing in a loss. But I think that, um, you know, we did see some, some, uh, some good things. One thing that was great to see uh, was scheming, mixing open in the past game. Uh, we have been asking for that forever. Uh, if you are, you know, an avid Cincy Jungle reader and, and you like my film rooms, uh, I put together last year, a monster of an article. Uh, I think it was like 4,000 words where I, I, I watched, uh, I don't know, like 16 games from 12 different running backs over three years. Something absurd like that. Every running back that ever that, that you think of catching passes, basically I, I watched, I watched some of the guys games uh, coming up with ways that they can get the ball into mixing hands. Uh, they need to be doing that more. Uh, and here they actually went out and did it good for them. Right. Uh, so uh, goal line first, and one down on the goal line. Uh, and they come out, all right? They motion Boyd over to Bunch. Now they just got a tight end on the back, on the on the right-hand side, all right? And, a, and it ends up, you know, getting to Bunch, basically, uh, on the left because they, they jet motion this guy. Uh, and it's uh, under center. Mixon is in the backfield. So a couple of things going on here. Number one, yeah, so they're, they're – they're sending that that fly motion, that jet motion, all right? Teams are afraid of the jet sweep because everybody runs it, right? So that's already getting the linebackers thinking about Boyd going that way. Now, this Mike Mike linebacker, he is he is stable. He is sturdy. He's, he's holding right in, but all the other action is going to the left. Mixon takes off to the right. Now, because this motion brought a defensive back with it, they have a vulnerable edge here, all right? They have a very vulnerable edge. There's one player on the edge. 
All right. So now that puts this guy in a bind and he's thinking, am I supposed to cover this running back? Am I supposed to take care of a potential bootleg? You know, what's my role? Mixon's able to scoot inside of him while he's kind of confused and looking in the backfield and he's wide open. And now anybody else that was supposed to cover him, anybody coming from a, a, a linebacker spot, uh, you know, they're out of position. They're behind. So it's real easy. All right. And probably, you know, a little bit of athleticism on, on Dalton's part to get out of there. But most people listening to this probably could have completed that pass. It's really just popping it in there. So they did a good job of scheming uh, to get him open, you know, using that action to get things moving in that direction and creating a situation where there's only one uh, one guy there. And then we get to see a little bit of a, of a Joe Mixon dance. So uh, once again, Matt Minnick for Cincy Jungle. Uh, I'll be here every week breaking down, uh, breaking down games uh, for the Chalk Talk uh, on the Orange and Black Insider. So keep uh, keep tuned in for that. Hopefully next week, some more positive plays, some good news, and we're all happy after beating the Steelers and beating the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Thanks for listening. You hear the crowd coming forward with sours. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd coming forward with sours. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.